0: Okay, so welcome, welcome everybody to a new episode of the show Coffee Breakdown. Today we have with us a new guest who is Alex Fontana. Alex uh, is uh, currently a postdoctoral researcher at uh, Grenoble, in Grenoble actually, in France. Um and um, actually i w- wanted to invite you because uh, you have an interesting uh, story about your career and i think you can give us uh, some tips uh, also for younger students who want to pursue a career in uh, research so i'm really looking forward to chat with you so thank you alex
1: uh... thank you for inviting me on your show uh, I watched the previous, the previous episodes of the show, so I was really excited about being here today and I have a little chat with you. Um, mm. Yeah.
0: So basically, so I, I know Alex very well because we met in Bassano, so we studied together at the university, and uh, I would like to ask you, so so we, we did physics together, so how did you decide to do physics uh, as first principle?
1: At the end of high school, I was actually like wondering what to do and I was um, juggling between uh, physics/ slash mathematics or uh, history because both of them were equally appealing to me. But I had a feeling that uh, in a way like uh, physics was the, the thing to do because it was really interesting, but um, in a way, I felt like it was difficult. There was like a challenge every time. And um, I don't, I can I don't say that in history there's no challenge. But the high school level, it wasn't, it was, it didn't give me the same feeling. It was like equally mm-hmm. pleasing, but not equally challenging at that time. Okay. So I was like, why not? And uh, well, why not brought me here. <laughs> and, and <laughs> did, years you, after did you the...
0: try some Olympics also for physics or mathematics uh, during high school? Or... Yeah, it
1: went like really well at the high school level, oh, okay. but really bad at the higher level. <laughs> Like, okay. I remember, maybe I have like, maybe my memory is like false, but I remember that mm-hmm. I got first in high school, and then, like, when we went to the upper levels, to the level of the many schools in the province. Uh, we got like all all the people from my high school were like the last dead last because I so was like, yeah, okay, this tells tells me something about that. So I was like, okay. I think I need I think I need, uh, I need I need to up my game in a certain way uh, <laughs> later on.
0: Okay, but nevertheless, you you started to you decided to do physics, mm-hmm. and uh, first of all, well, do, do you regret it or uh, do you think it was a good choice? <laughs> Well, you
1: know, it's kind of those uh, sliding doors. It's like, oh, how would my life be if now? I was, I had studied history, and I don't think I would be here now in Grenoble and at this moment. And, and that would be like pretty weird coincidence. So no, I never regretted studying it. It was, uh, it, like it's always been challenging. It's always been very very challenging, and I think I've always been very um, attracted to being like pushed a little bit. Uh, beyond the my limits, which I, yeah. I can uh, admit that at the beginning, when uh, I don't know if you recall, but the first uh, lesson of um, you know of physics, it was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is really fun, and yeah, know, we're gonna do some mechanics <laughs> and like thermodynamics and like. Bam! Uh, first yeah, lesson yeah, of really uh, yeah, first yeah. lesson of mathematics, uh, it was like so hard. And we we're like, wow, okay, <laughs> I did not expect this. So from there on, it's always been like, oh yeah, no every day I kind of rediscover something so I know I've never regretted this my choice and uh, I think it's it really opens like physics is so broad it always opens your mind uh,
0: like whatever whatever
1: path of physics you choose there's always something to learn and uh, so it's uh, like in any as everything else of course but uh, I don't know particularly about physics the goal of it is to push knowledge further and Mm. further so it's
0: I think it's, Actually okay yeah. I'm, I'm I'm very interested about uh, your path uh, you know from university to PhD and then postdoc uh, and so on and uh, so starting from university are there were, were there any courses that you particularly appreciated uh, at the time yeah.
1: Um uh, if you recall, I mean sure you recall we had like most of the classes were like decided by the beginning we couldn't choose. But yeah. then at the end of the Bachelor we had like three classes we could choose ourselves. and I remember I chose electromagnetic fields that I would really lean on now because <laughs> I don't remember everything, <laughs> but I kind of i kind of working on that and that's how now. Um, and um, I remember I had like uh, planetary physics and uh, uh, differential geometry. And mm-hmm. I think like differential geometry, even though I didn't do anything about okay. like close to that afterwards, I think it was my favorite class of bachelor. Okay. And I kind of remember it with pleasure as the professor. And now I cannot remember the name of the, uh, the professor. But it was like an amazingly dif- difficult course, uh, class. Sorry. Oh, it was yeah, like, yeah,
0: I can't imagine. it like was like so, math. so hard. Yeah. yeah,
1: it was like pure math. Ma- but at the same time, like the, the professor was so good at like making it understandable. And at the end, I was like so happy because I was like, OK, yeah, maybe I don't, I didn't get anything, but I have a cl- clear idea about what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was yeah. like really pleasing.
0: Yeah, if I remember correctly, it's actually from, from the beach where we, we started kind of to slightly split. So I started to move towards plasma physics. And you choose uh, oh. like, other courses, <laughs> uh, like towards also like kind of theoretical uh, uh, background oh. and so on. And uh, so, so yeah. In fact, if I remember correctly, uh-huh. you graduated in in theoretical physics, so um, with a specialization on theoretical physics, and then you change actually completely the topic. So a- a- again, I mean, you 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 made that like, sort of brave uh, choice. So can you can you tell us about that uh, actually?
1: Uh, so in uh, during the bachelor, I like among the three classes that was planned, I physics with uh, Professor Mazzari. And uh, then I decided to, uh, to to have my internship with them, like okay. my final uh, internship with them, and it went really well, actually. So I was really happy about about it. We believed we discovered like something, and at the end of it, uh, 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 like in the paper, there was somebody who forgot mm-hmm. like a uh, 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 a tube somewhere, so like the predictions were wrong, and so we were like excited. Oh, we found- kind of mistakes like physics can be simple uh so it really went
0: well and then sorry to interrupt Uh, this paper was was about uh, what like astrophysics or
1: it was a planet planetary formation.
0: Planetary. Okay.
1: Uh, like the, the subject of the bachelor was to study mm-hmm. the like the potential in which like planets evolve in a way, oh. and like to see like the between the prediction of like a different approximations. It was like really simple. Not okay. either, I think like it was really simple, but at the same time it was pretty rewarding. And so I decided to go to like uh, the theoretical physics also because mm. Giovanni is not here, but I remember, like you interviewed in a previous video, he yeah. would like he would like sign everywhere saying like Alex was bad in experiments, <laughs> and I was like, I, it's like I I don't know whether I was bad. I was like maybe not very motivated about about it. I well I really prefer like theoretical classes, but then I chose like the theoretical uh, path for the master that we did also together. We had like some common classes uh, together, and then there were like many classes that that we could choose by ourselves. Yeah. And in that case, I like I did all the astrophysics, the cosmology, okay. like uh, general relativity classes, and they anyway, went they went really really well. I really enjoyed them a lot. I think I really enjoyed the master the master much more than the the bachelor. But then I went in Rasmus in uh, in, uh, in in Heidelberg, uh, Germany, okay. and there I I planned to stay four months mm. because uh, I wanted to go back and like do my. Uh, internship with Marzari again in a in planetary formation but mm-hmm. I decided at the end like you know Erasmus is super cool it's like it's one of the best things I've ever done in yeah my life. yeah that's true and I and I decided to stay and like do planetary formation there with um, um, a professor there like a Dulemon uh, uh, professor Dulemon mm-hmm. and uh, I stayed there and this the internship was has been, was like kind of hard Because with uh, Marzari had like a a kind of like way of working with him, like Mm -hmm. next to him. And it was like really like something that was good for me. But they are like, uh, the professor was like really busy and uh, he gave me like a project. Mm -hmm. And basically I had to develop it by myself. But I don't think I was ready to do that. I was Mm -hmm. not ready to work alone. And uh, it was like kind of hard. And at the end, I was like, I managed to finish and like to do pretty much everything I was asked. And uh, I think I was really satisfied at the end, but I had like this feeling that I was studying something like gigantically big, like you know, planet okay. formation. You're talking about like something like uh, I don't know, hundreds of astronomical units uh, of space, and um, there is there are these objects like these planets that are forming mm-hmm. like light years away, and I really felt like kind of detached from them in a way. Like I I, I was like it was really hard I for see. me to have an idea about like what's happening. In that, mm-hmm. in that, in the system, I and mean, it was not because the system itself was like too hard to be understood. It's just like for me, I felt like something like changed. I see. And okay, was... okay.
0: There are some, there are some interesting actually points uh, here. But first, I want to ask actually. So you did the Erasmus program, and I also did that. I enjoyed it really much. Would you recommend? Because this is a discussion I also had with some students here, like a master student. And they're like, "No, you know, I feel really well here. i I live here and so on, and maybe I don't want to change. Uh, so would you recommend to students in Europe to do Erasmus project program? Yes,
1: sure. I mean it's uh, it, it was great in so many ways. I mean, of course things can go like a little bit south in some cases. but from what I've heard, like of people i I know and like people who've done it, like, kind Of everybody's really happy with the choice because, yeah, you can be like, I was really happy, about, uh, and like it was going great, but, like everything was fine. But from a human point of view, for like from experience, and like as a person, I drew so much that year, like much, okay. much more like than other years because I was studying in a new environment, I was talking like uh, in a different language. Um, it was just It was just like a completely new word. And I think that's another part that maybe I like it, like being stimulated in a way to be like, no, pushed a little bit further away from your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. In that case, I was really taken and shoved out of the door. Like Mm -hmm. my comfort zone was like literally 300 kilometers away. So that was, it was like, um, I probably like was like a rough first day, but then I mean, it just went well. So I totally suggest it for everybody to try if they, if they manage to, because I know like the Erasmus, Scholarship is sometimes not enough for everybody. So yeah, I yeah. think like um, it's, it should be better to allow everybody to, yeah, to experience yeah. I
0: also, this. I also had the same experience, actually. It was really interesting. Really, It, it really opened my mind. And uh, although you know, doing the thesis uh, during Erasmus project is also another difficulty because you are uh, abroad, uh, you're in a new place, uh, new people you're working with. Plus, you have to do the thesis and you have deadlines. So it's very tough, but uh, it was really worth it, I think. Uh, and but uh, I want to come back, and uh, you said that so at some point after your master's thesis, you felt like this this thing, the sort of need of more hands on um, projects or stuff stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, can you expand a bit uh, on
1: but um well, during my during my Erasmus, I started to think, like, well, what do I do afterwards? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, like, my master will be over in, uh, like, at the time, I hoped, in September, uh, which was the case at the end, uh, by some kind of miracle. Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, what, what do I want to do? And I was saying, like, well, the best I can do, like, what I would like to try is, like, maybe to push it further. But mm-hmm. I was, like, not feeling very well in about, like, my, uh, my project, uh, about myself in the project uh and i was like well maybe i can like look for something different so i started looking like for phd projects like uh around europe and i was really lucky i mean i, I found this like i applied to many places i got uh, rejected in many places but i applied to this um project in Lyon, in france
0: yeah.
1: uh, under the supervision of uh of uh, Belon, mm-hmm. uh which turned out to be my supervisor final supervisor and I asked him like, well, what what's about it, what about the project? And, uh, and when he asked me like, well, what about you? Something. I was like, well, I don't know. I study astrophysics, and uh, if I have to tell you, I'm not really good at lab. I never really had the like the impulse. But now i I feel really motivated about changing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I think I convinced him because I was really he he, he understood I really wanted to change and really wanted like to give myself this opportunity. So I don't know. I said, why not? And I applied. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I was like i was like well this is one thing maybe i sh- i shouldn't have just this option here because you know I, what i know uh, is like coding and uh these kind of things so and modeling so I was like maybe um maybe i also need like a backup planning case and so i got this uh, opportunity in, Man- in manchester um then and i got like the acceptance of both uh, both places because oh. i needed to win a scholarship in india you know, uh the same day so i like text um, like in my Future supervisor texted me and say like, "Well, you won. You're coming, right?" And I was like, "Well, no. Just a second. I need to think about it." And then, of course, I I decided like, "Well, let's take another like huge leap." And so I went from like studying uh, planetary formation to basically studying microcantilevers, which are like (laughs) tiny objects that are pretty much the size of a hair. And I was like, "Well, at least in that case, because I went visiting, you can see them and you can actually like you cannot touch them because you break them, but you can you can see them with a naked eye." Okay, so I made so... like this huge leap uh, in. Uh, it was a leap of faith from my side, from my side, but also from Ludwig's point of view. And at some point, I even asked him like, "Well, Ludwig, you know, like I am, I study astrophysics. So, mm-hmm. are you sure I'm the best candidate for the job?" And he was like, "This makes you think about the other people who apply." Like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, no, I mean, except this joke, I, I think I really appreciate like a professor from it, this is uh, um, ENS uh, in Lyon, right? Yeah, and that uh, he accepted a candidate, basically, with um, not a lot of background on experimental physics or engineering or so on. So it's really open-minded, I would say. But so w- when you started your PhD, did you feel like, uh, okay, maybe some courses you know on experimental physics, I should have done it better. Or maybe I, in the optional courses, I should have chosen something else instead of astrophysics. I don't know. Did you feel that? <sighs> like,
1: or- yeah, I mean, I I regret it, like, I, I know that probably, like, if I had, if I changed stuff, uh, if I, if I am, if I would be able to change stuff, I wouldn't be here at this moment, because who knows. But like, again, like, sometimes I felt, I really felt like, oh, I should have, like, paid more attention to this. I should have, like, learned this stuff, because I felt like I was running behind for a long time. And in a way, I, I still am, because, like, the, it, it's all been like, like following a little bit more because all the things i know i knew about like astrophysics and i really useful right now apart from like like basic stuff uh, like coding stuff. but yeah i i really wish i could uh i, I could I would have done better in many ways because in a way like now that i'm working with it every day like it's it's really interesting like everything is very interesting at that time i yeah. think i was just like maybe not it was maybe not the right time but yeah, so um, at, at the same time, like maybe for another second joke is that the first thing that Ludwig told me when I got there was like maybe I maybe I remember this wrong because you know it's like yeah, it's after some time you tend to make it like, like a like a poem or something like life becomes like good memories or bad memories, but whatever. I remember I like, clearly heat telling like, you know, like you screw the in and you screw that away. So like Sensoria, <laughs> like uh, basically like uh, in front in- in- so, yeah, like that... And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, that's interesting. And um, so it's, I really started from the basics. And I think like uh, in order to get the, the position, like I had to come to basically be the best candidate for him, and then to win yeah. the scholarship. So it was like two steps. And I think like what I, maybe I mean maybe what convinced to the week is that I was really motivated. And in a way, like this proved me that you can actually start like like completely new yeah. things. but then, And that's yeah. always possible, I think. Like, it th- depends on the so. person.
0: I think so, because it doesn't matter uh, which topic uh, I think you're going to do during PhD. I mean, you will have to learn new things. I mean, it's impossible that uh, you know everything about what you're going to do in PhD, that you've studied everything. And so it's more important, I think, I agree. So I think it's more important to have people who can learn, who wants to learn, so that's very interesting and so what is exactly the topic you mentioned this cantilever uh, so what were you studying there um, Okay. so
1: basically the goal was to study what happens uh, to a micro cantilever so these cantilevers are just are simple like beams you know like silicon beams that are like attached to a microscopic chip mm-hmm. and the goal was to see what happens to the thermal fluctuations of these cantilevers when they were brought in a non-equilibrium uh, state so I will explain a little bit more so a system is considered in thermal equilibrium when basically nothing happens like you leave it there sometime and then it can relax to any state like to any um and if it was hotter than the environment it just becomes at the same temperature and so on and so yeah. forth so basically this system is basically a, a beam and so um, in thermal equilibrium, what it does is that um, it receives some energy from a thermal bath, which is the, the chip it is attached to because we put the system in a, in a vacuum. And it receives this energy and uses this energy, basically, well, you can see it on both ways, to oscillate a little bit because it's, uh, it's a system with, it's a system with uh, infinite degrees of freedom. But since it's like a, whole, like a microscopic object, it shows some collective behavior. Which we call like normal modes. It just oscillates this way, yeah. and then it can do like this kind of oscillation with mm-hmm. uh, in, on like high energy modes. And uh, so, if you would look like at the amplitude of these fluctuations here, there is something. There's a theorem that is like super powerful, and uh, it's mm-hmm. called the fluctuation dissipation theorem that relates the amplitude of these like spontaneous fluctuations of this okay. object, like of every single uh, mode or the normal mode of this object. To the temperature of the environment, basically of the thermal bath, mm-hmm. so of this of this object, and there, there are some other quantities inside, but this just in a way tells us that um, a system in thermal equilibrium shows some spontaneous fluctuations, and these fluctuations are just proportional to the temperature, uh, like basically to the impedance of the of the system, so the the, the kind of like the stiffness of the system, and the temperature mm-hmm. uh, these of these like oscillations are, like super tiny something that you normally don't see in any object because they're really really, really tiny but uh sometimes when you like build the right system for example these cantilevers, um and you use the right setup to measure them um well you, you definitely they're like definitely measurable we are talking about like people of um of amplitude but uh nowadays uh until inter- interferometers are able to like detect much much uh, like and they, they, we've seen that with uh, gravitational waves right yeah we yeah, can yeah. detect like actually yeah stars, this is you something know.
0: i wanted to ask so wh- one of the applications of your work could be also for uh, detecting gravitational waves is it correct get yeah,
1: okay. together um the goal was to study like, whatever, like this system, and what this system is in thermal <laughs> equilibrium, pretty much everything understood because the theorem yeah. holds. And that's you will, if you observe the amplitude, you can definitely come back to the temperature. Mm-hmm. But what happens when we put this, what, what happens when we put the system out of equilibrium? Well, that was the question of my PhD. So, yeah. what, what we did to bring it out of equilibrium, we started hitting the system with a laser here at the tip. And so, we created like a temperature difference between the yeah. tip of the cantilever and the base. In this case here, what happens is that the system does not have a single th- uh, thermal bath in a way, like a single temperature to refer to, because uh, every single point has a different temperature, if you want, if you want. Yeah. And so this, since the energy we pour in is constant, we have a non-equilibrium steady state, and now the question is what happens to fluctuations? And this is like re- re- relevant, for example, in the gravitational wave detectors, because... Okay. Um, when we have like the the, the gravitational detectors like our interferometers, they work with like uh, mirrors and you send like a laser beam on this mirror and it's reflected and yeah. nowadays we have like um mirrors that are like so good you basically like 99.9 and then like you just deposit like uh, some three parts per million of um energy on the or the mirrors but since the energy is really huge well there is like, a way that that you're heating this mirror and this mirror That's is suspended true. its suspended it's hit through like Cables here that are like super well designed and anything, but still mm-hmm. energy needs to be to, to flow uh, up, and so you create in the system like kind of a non equilibrium steady state. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. if the mirror, if you didn't deposit any, any energy, you would be able to predict the thermal noise of these mirrors, which in this case is like paramount. And I thermal see, noise is I what see. it's what limits the, sensibil- the sensitivity of this yeah. instrument. Yeah. but what happens if you bring them out of equilibrium because you deposit some heat? Well, that's. What we tried to to measure in our because test
0: basically, because basically, so sorry if I ask, uh, I don't know if I understood correctly. So if you bring the system out of equilibrium by, for example, exposing to some temperature locally, then you don't have a way to maybe analytically predict the thermal noise, uh, so you cannot subtract it from your measurements. Probably, is it correct? Or? like yes, uh,
1: because like we like uh, when I got to the to the when I began my, my PhD another student had already started like started studying this okay. subject and they developed like a minimal extension of the fluctuation dissipation theorem which is mm-hmm. valid uh, out of in and out to equilibrium system when okay. uh, like through a temperature like when the system is brought out of equilibrium thanks to a temperature difference and so in this way they had like this uh, way to not really predict, but to explain the observed the thermal uh, like uh, fluctuations, amplitude of the fluctuations of these non-equilibrium systems when they are non in a non-equilibrium steady state. And so, um, well, the idea like behind uh, like the continuation of this is like actually what happens when we have like you vary the system, you change the geometry, you change the temperature of the of the of the chip of the cantilever, so the temperature of basically of the um, the thermal bath of the of the liver, and so on and so forth, and so basically this was um, like the, the, my the goal is like yeah we have we know how to explain the results a little like thanks to this okay. extension but what happened, like what happens if we change like all the parameters we can yeah. and that's what basically I did, and that's something that was interesting like some, one of the results that I obtained is mm-hmm. that um we like at the beginning we studied a lot of systems that showed like particular behavior um that they, they have like a dissipation that was localized just at the base of the of the cantilever so here so um in order like just to explain this with, with uh with hands in a way like we the prediction we have like for the extension of this theorem that allows us to link fluctuations and temperature tells us that the fluctuations now are equal basically to the integral along the length of the cantilever of the this local dissipation Times the temperature profile, weighted by the uh, by the curvature of the mode. But yeah. that's, so basically, it's like um, it's the it's the um, dissipation. It's the, like the temperature profile weighted by the dissipation. So yeah. if you do this and you imagine that the, the dissipation is just at the base, which has a constant temperature, well, whatever temperature you put here, whatever like you can bring it to the melting point, the system will oscillate always at the same amplitude,
0: mm-hmm. pretty much, because. Okay.
1: That's it matters
0: only where you dissipate your energy. This is what you're saying.
1: Like, we can predict that if a system has dissipation just here, well, Mm -hmm. that's okay. So, during my PTA, I study systems where the dissipation was spread all, all along the cantilever. Okay. In this case, it was more, it was like harder to understand because we normally do not access the local dissipation, we just access the global dissipation system through, for example, the quality factor of the resonances. Well, in this case, for like some uh, approximations, I was able to show that we can actually just observing the dissipation of the system, we can predict what what the amplitude of fluctuation will be. So in a way, like we can predict the non-equilibrium thermal noise of the system just by looking at uh, the damping that, that okay. we measure okay. in the system. And this was like this allowed us to really link the two points like dissipation and uh, amplitude of fluctuations that are really the, the soul of the. Um, Fluctuation dissipation. Okay, okay. Know, and did you also
0: test these uh, to different uh, systems actually, other than the ones that you were <laughs> using in your lab?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's something that's a very interesting uh, a question because that's something that's a little bit poetic. Because this mm-hmm. question brings me back to Padua, where we studied. And uh, I think you remember that at some point we were doing like subnuclear physics class. Yeah, yeah. and they brought us to visit the Linearo labs mm-hmm. in the in south of Padua.
0: And you and, were really uh, happy about that. <laughs> or,
1: well, I, I I wasn't really good at the class. I have to admit that really. Even the class was fine, oh, really? was just, uh, but but then we went to the lab, and I was like, well, this is kind of I don't know. This, this I really didn't feel like in my place there. It was yeah. uh, I think it was the picture. maybe yeah, it was definitely the picture. So. And uh, and I remember like and I don't know, yeah, like. Two years after the end of my master, I came back to the mm-hmm. to Lignaro, uh, under the supervision of uh, Livia, uh, Conti and uh, Giacomo. Uh, basically, so we uh, they might, basically what happened is that they were there uh, in fact, was studying roughly the same thing I was studying okay. in Lyon. So what they did is like since they worked for the Virgo collaboration, what it is it was actually trying to study like a big object. What happens when a big object is brought out of the equilibrium? Because uh, mm-hmm. you, you know that like the the mirrors of the gravitational wave detectors are like gigantic. I don't, I don't remember the size, but for sure like the size at yeah, yeah. least. And so what they did is that they created like this cube, this aluminum cube here, suspended by um, a rod. And they mm-hmm. brought this like, aluminum cube out of equilibrium so that along the rod, they used the temperature profile or temperature difference between them. So that the rod did like this, like basically um, uh, oscillator is brought out of equilibrium by, um, in this case, it was like by a heater system, but that's yeah. the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they studied like what happens to the thermal fluctuations of the system. The thing is that um, they found like results that were incompatible with our model. Like mm-hmm. in a way, uh, if you remember what I said before, is that the amplitude of fluctuations is basically at max, is the the, the amplitude at the maximum temperature. So yeah. the, uh, it can just be like as big as if all the system was at the maximum temperature system. And they found that the amplitude of fluctuation were higher at this point. Oh, so they okay. were clearly out of the range of prediction of our like, of our, um, mm-hmm. like tool. And uh, so what happened is that uh, they like we met at the, com- at the conference, or I think, or I don't know, like in a way like they got in Ludwig and uh, Livia got in contact and we started discussing. And uh, basically, he invited them to-, to them to perform some experiments on yet another system. It was not he was a cantilever, but not heated by a laser, but heated by like a um, Joule effect. So it- there okay, was like yes. some uh, some contact and there was like a place where yeah. it dissipated some energy and therefore we created like a temperature profile along its length. And we studied this system together in the lab, and I was like, "This is like coming in a way it was really coming back home for me because mm-hmm. it was like meeting some like uh, researchers at in Padua, in in Lyon." So I was like, "Oh, this is I don't know, life is so nice." And it's so, yeah, so, but weird. doing but then doing,
0: again, doing a totally different topic, I think, right? So, <laughs>
1: so so different. And, and again, then they were like, we agreed for me to go one month in uh, Lignaro to do perform the same okay. experiments they were performing there. So I was like, well, I, I'm kind of back home with a total different, like, I uh, like mentality and a totally different like, I, I'm so different. It was like five years after my, uh, the, the first time I went to Lignaro and I was like, well, life really brings you like some surprises uh-huh. sometimes. And uh so it's it's kind of like if you want it, like to be really cheesy, like oh never say never in a way like i would never yeah. be an experiment with <laughs> physicist. And like there, I was there like until midnight, so, like one in the morning sometimes in the lab, just trying to do things because I had like I need I really wanted this experiment mm-hmm. to work. And uh I don't know. It's like it's re- it was it was really a wonderful experience. Uh, I okay, always very really That's, uh, that's interesting. For that.
0: But then uh, it makes me ask you, you know, I mean not to blame uh, people or anything, but do, do you think that is the way that uh, experimental physics was taught at the university that didn't sparkle your interest or, or simply just your interest changed in time or um, so, so um, what, what do you think? So what do you think about that?
1: Uh, i think like in a way i was very interested about like the mathematics that was behind physics at that time like um algebra and um you know like all the like math classes we had i really really enjoyed like studying that and i think in a way well maybe it was my bad i was like maybe too lazy to try like to to be like really interested in that a part is also that giovanni who was my lab mate was mm-hmm. too good and like he was really too good too good and he was like a monster who just like got everything super fast and uh he really tried to involve me but uh, at some point i was just like uh, i i cannot i, I cannot follow you, man it's just like it's just out of friendship that he kept like being the same group as as me but in a way like i've always like i, I remember i always felt like this is a thing. It's a period that I really, this is kind of the thing I'm in a way choosing to sacrifice a little bit because I always got like pretty much the rough yeah, idea but, uh... about what was it. But, uh, you know, it like it's never like, you know, like I saw in Giovanni, the, for example, and like in many other people and you too, because we are talking about me changing, but you were experimentalist <laughs> too, Luca.
0: And no, 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 this is a pastor that I don't want to remember about.
1: <laughs> you were, you were like so good at it also no, because no, I remember no. we, we went, we were in the same like, lab group for like two years i think and so yeah, you but, are so good and- you know
0: you know I, I always enjoyed more the part of coding than rather than the part of really mounting the experiments and uh, especially in the last years and so on and anyway but um, but uh, this is a good point because uh, you know they made us choose always you know or you are a theoretician or you are experimentalist right but there are people that maybe can do both, especially at the university level, right? Maybe I want to do some experiments and I also want to learn about math or theory. So, that's uh, and that's the point. Uh, that's the way I... it is.
1: I think that it's so important. Like now, I mean, what I do right now is that I, well, uh, during my PhD, but also mostly during my postdoc, I mm-hmm. built an experiments for Sketch. Uh, so, I, well, like, of course, with the help of like everybody, but. Well, there was like an empty optical table where to design anything, build it at the same time, performing simulations about like stuff all the time. And I'm trying to do some theory, like to you know, like trying to figure out what's the theoretical <laughs> prediction for that. Like sometimes yeah, exactly. simulations and theory are the same thing because you need to do both things at the same time. So it's kind of like a multitasking job. I felt some days I feel like an engine, like yeah. an engineering job, you know, like not even, you know, I, I spent like an entire day like drilling holes in order to like to make a box around the battery. Not to get like <laughs> electrocuted, and so I felt like yeah, oh, this is this is like instrumental physics, and uh, so yeah, I think like it's so important. Like for example, your case now, perhaps you're doing simulations, and like maybe one day you wanna like go and see and like actually work in a back in mm-hmm. back in a lab because it's not about the skills you have right now. It's, I think the most important skill is to be able to actually like change your state of mind and like say now yeah, I have yeah. now I would like to do this and I think yeah. you can.
0: And this like, also applies, awesome. uh, I think, outside of research, because uh, you cannot think, uh, even in you know whatever other job you you may find, uh, that uh, you have this set of skill and you keep this set for the rest of your life. I mean, during your life, you have to learn new things and so on, and uh, maybe also change the way your mindset about some topics. Uh, so, I think that's very interesting. And um, do you have also some tips, so for people who want to pursue a PhD, for a successful application? So what do you think is important? I I know maybe it's a tough question. In fact, but <laughs> it's
1: like kind of when you get your uh, driving license, you're like, I know no, it's not a <laughs> it's not that hard, but <laughs> well, when you're there, you're like, well, wow, it's it's really difficult. Well, I think
0: uh-huh. at my driving license, I was also a bit lucky. Let's say that. <laughs>
1: Also, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I discovered that in France basically the, the the average of like you need to try like two or three times the exam, you know, oh. for passing it. And I remember like when I grew, it's like yeah, I don't know if you don't get it the first time, you're like, I don't think we're like on average much better drivers than the French people. I think maybe, <laughs> well, whatever that was like ten years ago. Um, so back to the subject, uh, I think like it's the motivation because I from what I've seen. Like I met many Italian students like all, around the world, and I feel like uh, sometimes we're really the people like uh, PIs or like researchers really value the, the like the kind of skills we have because like um, I, like being like studying in Germany, I realized that they had like much many more like classes, so they were really much more like I don't know skilled about doing things with their hands like or oh, I don't know they have like problem sets that's something that we never had. I almost never had them during our bachelor but we have like a lot we study a lot of theory and uh, we learn a lot of stuff and in a way this teaches us to be like adaptable we really are able like i think like some like the best skill is like to, to be able to to show you're able to compromise like yeah. to change your like i know how to do this but i'm really willing to learn how to do this and if also this there it is not because i don't i don't really i'm really not motivated but i will give all myself to do this this mm-hmm. and this and this yeah because also another thing like this is the first thing like try to be adaptable maybe try to to, to feel like yeah i will gladly i would gladly invest my time like my working time on this and um and also when you're writing your phd even your personal time afterward. but also yeah. like it's, another, a, it's a
0: commitment uh, after all yeah so you need to be passionate uh, also yeah
1: yeah also like that's something like uh, a little bit like on the wrong part of academics mm-hmm. which is like yeah, you need to be you need to be prepared, like to spend your personal time, like writing articles, writing mm-hmm. to projects and stuff. And I, I don't agree with that. I think that's like that's not OK, because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like, uh, well, maybe we can talk about this another time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to complete the answer, like the second most important thing is like you the group needs to be good. Like you need to have a good feeling about the, the PI or like the, the people you're going to work yes. with because mm-hmm. it's three years. And three years where you don't feel okay with your supervisor, i not worth it. I I had I was yeah. super lucky, so I can already tell this like from experience. But I've seen people that like spent like some miserable time because they mm-hmm. weren't able to communicate. Exactly. It doesn't mean that the person is wrong or the PI is wrong. Sometimes the it doesn't work well together.
0: So um, and in that case, uh, so do you suggest uh, simply to change topic, move on, uh, try to find another PhD? So what do you recommend? Uh?
1: they're like uh, there is something that's um, there is like a control or a organism but basically every year you go in front of this commission and you talk uh, like uh, you tell your research you tell what like you explain the results with your supervisor in the room and then mm-hmm. he get like they get out and you can talk just with the jury in a way and you can explain the problems and stuff and there are ways for you to change supervisor and like basically maintain like studying still the same thing like okay. trying to, to to get not like there is it's not always mandatory like to quit or like to change completely everything at the same time that's all that's always that always need to be like an option because you're not yeah. trapped you're not there like for life or you you didn't sign on a pact with the devil or something but also like another good thing is like uh i really appreciated the moment where uh i felt like i needed to do it and it was really received well so when i asked my supervisor like hey what do you think about me like what's mm-hmm. what, what's going on like uh, do you w- would you like me to work more would you like me to do this, or this? and uh, they, my supervisors were like super kind and he was like well i don't know like, he gave me like he was blatantly honest and told me like this is fine maybe this could be better this could fine. this is fine you're working enough and that's about it and like that's sounds- us. That really changed my PhD at some point. I was getting stressed about, like, I have no feedback, just ask for feedback.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, and so, you know, in my, based on my experience uh, doing PhD in the Netherlands, I saw that the most uh, successful PhD students were the ones who had the really nice, a really clear balance between, uh, you know, your life, your personal life and also your work uh, and at that time you, you know it's not uh, every time that overworking brings you to new results and unfortunately sometimes uh, it's like the system tends to push you to overwork but it's really important to also find some people in an environment that is not uh, unhealthy from that point of view also in my opinion.
1: No, I totally I I I agree. Yes, and so I mean, uh, I'm sure Luca, you have periods where you overworked, and I, I don't of know. Course, of course, of course.
0: I mean, of course, of course. I mean, sometimes you have to, right? And sometimes you even want to because you want to finish, you want to finish writing your thesis and stuff like that. But uh, you know, if you have every day this kind of pressure in the environment, probably is is not uh, is not really good. And uh,
1: yeah. but also you can be the person I like, put in pressure on yourself and yeah. in a way, like somebody with more experience that telling you like, that's enough or like, I will do this or so. It really helps. And, uh, I made this mistake that, uh, during my postdoc where um, mm-hmm. I changed like, again, what I'm studying, And, uh, right. I, I was really lost at the beginning because I with with uh, We had like uh, this, here um, few and it was like, I, it was really hard to make friends at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So basically worked all the time and going back, I mean, I wasn't very efficient. I could have taken like two months of holidays and like work normally the rest, like oh, six months of curfew or something. Mm-hmm. And I think I would have produced like maybe even more. So like, yeah, you, I, I personally, I know that I can be the worst, the, the worst like uh, pressure. I okay. Okay.
0: So if we have to like summarize based on your experiences uh, from uh, PhD and postdoc, like doing research. It doesn't matter, I would say, if you will continue in research or you will do some other career. So, what will you bring in your life? I mean, from these experiences?
1: Well, I it's, uh, honestly, I spent like the, the choice of studying physics and like the choice of pursuing a, a PhD and everything brought me like so much happiness. Sure, I spent, like, the first confinement, like, writing my PhD thesis, so that was amazing. I mean, I had this, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody was in their house and I was writing like, my thesis. <laughs> but it brought me, like, so much happiness. In a way, like, you are your own uh, boss for, like, for so long. That can be, like, that has, like, a lot of drawbacks, but at the same time, it brings you... Like I'm basically in my own boss. I decide what I study today. I, like I have deadlines and stuff, but I have to yeah. organize myself. This really made me grow as a human being. About like I have to be organized. I need to do stuff, and this can can apply to everything. Of course, right now it's like I'm almost on, I'm almost closing into the end of my postdoc, so basically everything is messy, and I, my like life time is just a mess. <laughs> but like most of the time, this really helps to to be like your own boss, and that also like leaves you. Uh, I think like it uh, gives me the idea that I'm always very awake because I worked in uh, a summer for a company and uh, like it was like a nine or five job uh, like every day or something. And I remember at some point it was really mechanic. I got up, I went there, I did my stuff and I went back and like here is not the same. Like sometimes I get to work at like 8.30, rarely. Most of the time I'm <laughs> 9.30, sometimes 11. I get out like Pretty much every every day is like really different of course you can do this when as for me i don't have any like family or like children and stuff then eventually that mm-hmm. like, you need to be but like yeah i don't know PhD brought me like so many friends experiences like i really yeah, love like true. presenting the my work and like other people's work and like in general like falling conferences that's like one of the best parts of, of work we are privileged oh, true, to do true, this true. of course it's like it's part of the package i guess And uh, I think another thing for the PhD, it's really important to get out and, like, discuss because people bring you stuff, you bring stuff to people, and that's how the community, like, science works. And it's unfortunate to say, but, like, you learn sometimes more, many more things at dinner with, like, Somebody talking with, with yeah, somebody you true. don't know then I don't know reading uh, doing their paper because yeah, they can and, explain again that. again
0: it's a communication is it's one of the reasons why we started this channel maybe it's a bit uh, utopistic uh, way you know maybe too too <laughs> ambitious but it's really to communicate and uh, I really appreciate this uh, I mean uh, that you you're sharing your uh, your experiences actually
1: i really appreciate that i don't know, know an old friend okay. of mine started a youtube channel and now they're like i, I get to like see you like talking with like different <laughs> people and uh, i really i really enjoy it in a way like that's that's the basics because you're not doing this for any reason it's just like, like so. doing your part for sharing like maybe people can relate to certain things and certain things so, um, I don't know. it's it just it's just the part of science that i really enjoy it's like going there going out there like Mm-hmm. challenge yourself in a way like and that's that's very important and so yeah uh, just
0: to conclude some stories to tell from conferences or places where you've been actually
1: uh, I'll Tell a story and you tell me your best story man, if
0: you oh, want to okay. <laughs>
1: So, uh, I think like that one of the best memories I have is uh, when I went to States in uh, Buenos Aires and at some point there was like this Maybe like couple of hours when there was maybe no talk I was interested in, or maybe it was like a break or something, and I went climbing with um some colleagues, some people, some friends that I met there, and we went like uh, rock climbing in this um, bouldering actually in this like I don't know building very tall building and that it was like uh kind of like a New building. in uh, in somewhere like in the middle of Buenos Aires and you got in and basically it was an abandoned uh, (laughs) building like you could just like the first floor was accessible and they made a a, they made a climbing room out of basically what was the toilets uh living room and the kitchen of the next apartment and it was like small it was but it was just like so wholesome you know Mm -hmm. like okay this I would never be able to get this experience. And of course, like, I'm just saying this because it's kind of like not science related, but there are many science related. No, no, but the, that's,
0: part, part. that's part of the of research as well, right? You get to do these experiences and the best part. For me, it was, well, you mentioned about Buenos Aires. Um, and I also enjoyed a, a conference, but in, um, it was in, in Sapporo, actually in, in Japan. So I mean, because you get to to go into these places that you would never go, right? So very far, and uh, and then we we had uh, we had basically some holidays afterwards with friends, and we traveled to Tokyo, to Kyoto, and so on. And we went also climbing to some mountains. I was actually hiking. It was like so humid, you know, so, such a struggle, but it was like amazing, you know. And then you have this kind of culture shock when you go so far. it, it, it is really great. Um, and another thing I enjoyed very much—it was in Naples, actually, in Italy—because I was the only Italian of, our, of my group, actually. So I was kind of uh, leading the group into, you know, different places. It was—it was really fun, anyway. Okay, Alex, do you have some final remarks or final announcements you want to make? Um...
1: Well, no. I mean, <laughs> normally at the end of a concert, I would say like, "Well, I'm looking for a whole
0: <laughs> well, <I> mean, <laughs> if you're looking maybe okay we can ask, i don't know the visibility of this video but maybe
1: some people no, no, may know.
0: Know.
1: <laughs> no it's like they usually you know like uh but, but i find it so it's um no i don't know i think like again i would like to thank you luca for uh, like the opportunity of, of having this chat uh here and like uh, actually, maybe this is the, even the first time we talk in English be, uh, between uh, me yeah, and you. Uh, and I really enjoy this. I really feels like <laughs> um, I don't think we're gonna keep doing this after the end. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, really thank thank you again for uh, the opportunity to talk. I mean, yeah, I, th- I, Thank
0: you, thank you very much. And I really appreciate it because uh, this is the type of content I would like to bring in the channel. Also to show that the people who are actually doing the research and show also the life of uh, researchers uh, around in Europe and maybe also outside. And so thank you again, Alex, uh, and um, see you soon. So stay tuned to everybody. Bye.